Hey there, we're those sci-fi guys, and this is that those sci-fi guys show. Just two working dudes, different lives, different jobs, but a whole lot of love for science fiction and the fun that comes with. We are your hosts. I am P.S. McKay, anxiously awaiting the new Irish tin whistle that he just ordered. I'm T.T. Catman, and I'm just so ecstatic to get the uh, the Irish. St. Patrick's Day soap that Duke Cannon put out. <laughs> oh, God. I don't know anything you just said there. <laughs> well, Duke Cannon is a <clears throat> uh, veteran friendly male grooming products. Oh. Uh, it, and they're all awesome. Okay. So kind of like Manscaped, but not. Well, they have their famous big-ass bar of soap, which is, I shit you not, like this big. <laughs> That's awesome. And there's their wow. selling point that's based on a recipe that was used by the military during the Korean War. And they have different scents and, and aromas and stuff. One's called Naval Supremacy. And there's another one called Victory. And then they have, like, I, I have some bugs. Buffalo Trace soap, and you can get beer soap, which is like bush light. But they had a they had a limited supply of at St. Patrick's Day of this, you know, their manly U.S. military Irish Spring kind of thing, which was something that was extremely rare and hard to find. But I just happened to find a little little place, uh, a little. Art, artsy kind of neat shop in Situate, Rhode Island. Oh, we went to the Situate Art Fair this weekend. My cousin, my cousin lives right there. Yep, and uh, we all went. The family went down, and it was the whole family. Did you uh, did you run into Chris Christie? Situate, Rhode Island. <laughs> he was there. <laughs> I was as shocked as you are. <laughs> nope, didn't see him. I know. I, he would have been hard to miss, but he avoided you. So, <laughs> no, that art fair is quite delightful. Um, I was there around that time, and I had no idea that existed. But I guess it's been around for like thirty years or something. Yes, it has been. And um. I wish I had more time when I first found out about it to go see it, but uh, we just we had other things to do. Uh, but yeah, no, it's a it's a a neat little slice of Americana that that yeah, it, it that that's the thing. It's like the little town fairs, if you know what I mean. It, it's the town fairs. Those little town fairs that you have with, you know, the little art festivals or like the almost like farmers markets and stuff. There's that little slice of Americana that is just so charming. Yes. Well, this entire town is in on it. Okay. Yeah. And <laughs> they are. We literally passed right by Situate, Rhode Island. Anytime we were, we would go out to Connecticut to visit my grandparents. We'd go right down, you know, 295 to 6 to. Whatever it was, three ninety five. Hey, you take that. six. Yeah, yeah. You take you six all the way through the state. 
So, you know, we got to do different things or see different things, just walk through and get on. You know, there's always the things like the kettle corn. You know, yeah. there's always somebody selling kettle corn at one of these, but there's all these food trucks, uh, you know, food trucks. Well, they, they kind of have like a little, I guess you would call it like a food court. Yeah. And, you know, one of the situate high school was, was their, their booster club was running stuff and then little, little vendors were there. And then, of course, there's all these independent vendors right outside the library was a bunch of local Rhode Island authors were sitting in the parking lot by the library with their little tents and my daughter got a book written by this like 20 year old girl about surviving uh, how to be a teenager and survive a horror story or horror movie or something like that so there was huh there was a, a guy who was history professor at um Stonehill College, uh, who was selling um, like fantasy sci-fi novels, hmm. and I picked up one. He's, there's going to be a Rhode Island authors fair in like at the beginning of December. There's like a hundred local authors and stuff there, so I should probably sign up. Yeah, see what I can do. Get some hard copies ordered from Amazon. <laughs> I don't know if you can see this, my friend. Heirs of, I don't see, it's heirs of. Anerwin. Anerwin, okay. Anarwin, that's how I pronounced it. Anarwin. Anarwin. Yes. Magic knows, it feels, and it's scratching for him. That's the first tagline on the back of the book. Interesting. Yeah. So very interesting. Um, it, it's, it's uh, you know, one of those, um, you know, fantasy and sci-fi mixture kind of things. Uh, but it was mm -hmm. kind of interesting, uh, plus the fact that, you know, he had some, some more fan um, this is almost mystical. You know, um, where he's got one that's a little bit more medieval, but also fantasy as in, like, not real. Yes. He's talking about somebody walking around Sherwood Forest. He's talking about somebody in this fictional world, you know, but without magic and stuff. Right. Right. And, and, that uh, sounds enticing. Know, figured it would be, uh, you know, kind of neat. Plus, he also gave me a bookmark that has a QR code for a digital like short story that's kind of like the prequel to the first book so huh kind of I wonder neat. if he had to do that to fill in a little plot hole that he had in his book I don't know maybe that's it's that's the author in me <laughs> yeah, maybe. Who knows? It, it was just neat. We we all my my kid got a book. My wife got a book. We all and my parents were enjoying it. My sister and her, her nephew. They were all. Everybody was having a good time. It was a good. very nice time. Um, Those are important days. It was, a, it was a beautiful day too. It was really nice. Like what? And, mid fifties, uh, low sixties. 
Probably 60s, I think, is what it got to. Uh, I'm trying to gauge what weather is like in New England right now. <laughs> just because my brother's moving back. So, <laughs> and I'm making a point to, to point it out to him. <laughs> well, you know, uh, we welcome him back, uh, but I know that that's uh, not going to be easy. And I, and I understand and respect it, but uh, coming up in early November, Rhode Island Comic Con. Yes. And uh, my, how my, is that Comic Con? Do you know anything about it? I hear clue. it's big. Yeah. Okay, so the same brother used to he used to do business uh at the 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 mall, the Providence um Yeah. A small. And that's and they held it right across the street at the convention center. Right. And he would he would say that it was getting to be a pretty big deal where they are actually getting some A-list A-list gets. I would say this has some. Um, listing of who's showing up. Oh, I'm looking at a few right now. What we got? Well, in addition to the sci-fi fantasy and such, tons of wrestlers, including <laughs> Brett the Hitman Hart. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You have also Anthony Rapp from Star Trek Discovery. I know him from Rent. Yep. Paul Stamets. Or Road Trip. (laughs) Uh, Ahmed Best, the voice of Jar Jar. Yeah. And I guess he's like, I don't know, the dude who like, like runs like the Jedi Academy at Disney World or something like that. Ahmed Best does that? One of them, yeah. Uh, you'll get... Oh. Uh, you know, there, there's plenty of... Uh, there were some Stargate folks. Uh, does Alana Huffman sound familiar? Alana Huffman. How do you spell it? A-L-A-A-F... A-L-A-I-N-A. She was in Atlantis. Or, excuse me, Stargate Universe. Okay, hold on. Oh, oh, yeah, she's the poor man's Catherine Heigl. Mm. She was really good in Stargate Universe, by the way. I, I loved her. Very cool. A lot, of, um, a lot of wrestlers, some decent voice actors. Uh, Bonnie Pliess, who's Aunt Beru from episodes two oh. and three and... Obi-Wan? I had a crush on her way back in the day. TV and uh, TV and uh, super nerd Breckenmeyer. Oh, yeah. And your favorite cast member on Star Trek, Brent Spiner. Oh, my hair is such an ass. <laughs> I hear he is. I hear he just roasts his fans that come up to him and like just, he just is such a, a negative. Oh, and I could be wrong. I could be wrong, but there is a guy that I know. He's met everyone, and, I, and he's such an even keeled guy. Like he's not he's not a rage master or anything like you see on YouTube all the yeah. time. He's very even keeled. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and he friggin' hates Brent Spiner. He said it was the worst experience he ever had. Hey, I'm meeting just saying, anyone. I'm just saying who's here, okay? <laughs> hey, Clyden's gonna be here. Oh, Chad really? Coleman. Yep. You know what? I would show up to a Comic Con in an Orville uniform. I would. I, I would I would make that happen. I'm sure there will be people doing that. Uh, I mean, it's kind of hard to to not know. Daniel Logan, Baby Boba. Oh yeah, Baby Boba, Baby Boba. <laughs> Danny Trejo, Machete. Danny, Danny freaking <laughs> Trejo, man. I mean, we got guys, Machete. <laughs> I mean Rufio. Did you, have you ever? Wow, Rufio! Holy shit! Yeah. Uh, have you ever listened awesome. to an interview with uh, with Danny Trejo? I have. He's he is an inspiring man. Well, I mean, he's a guy who literally turned his life around while in prison. He is. Uh, he is such a. I mean, I admire him so much. Well, you have to because you have no choice because it's Danny Trejo. However, it's genuine. (laughs) He is. He's hilarious. He pulls off comedy so well because he just looks like he's someone who would murder you. And he's just just so damn funny. Was he in one of those like motorcycle TV shows like Mayans or Sons of Anarchy or something like that? I I don't know. Um, I'd have to go. I mean, they only show like, two or up. three things on it. But yeah. Edward James almost will be there. No. Yes. Did you ever see his guest stint on Portlandia? No, but I saw his guest stint on uh, his recurring role on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which was really good. Too. Yeah, he was. He was great. Uh, in Portlandia, these these I mean, it's I mean, it's Fred Armisen and and. Um, this this one woman. I'm not doing her justice by not remembering her name. She's brilliant in the show. They Is discovered it, um, Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. The chick from Saturday Night Live. Ghostbusters. Uh, it's not her. Not Kate McKinnon. No, no, no. The other one. Uh, she was in Wonder Woman. 1984. Yeah, that's no, not her. Because I thought she wasn't she on that show too. She probably guest starred because you know everyone was on that show at some point or another. It's Carrie Brownstein, could be Brownstein, probably Brownstein though. Um, anyway, th- she and Fred Armisen discovered Battlestar Galactica and they just binged through it. And it was a hilarious montage of them watching it through all the way through. And then they started writing their own script for a continuation mm. of the show. <laughs> And they somehow got Edward James almost, and um, uh, the guy who plays Gaius Baltar, James Callis. James Callis. They got him on there too, and they're reading this script and and they're reenacting it, and they're like, it, "It's hilarious because it's such a bad script." And Edward James almost is trying to play it straight. <laughs> it's really good. If you could find Portlandia, which I will let you know where you can find it. Um, Dude, it's this, a good watch. Just that one episode. You don't need to watch anything before that or after that. Just that one. This is a pretty fucking stacked panel. You get uh, 
Ralph Macchio is going to be there. Ooh. You Shit. get um, Peter Weller, Robocop. You have Spectrum. I don't know. Spectrum. No. Oh, what? The internet or? The cable or, yeah. No. Vincent no. D'Onofrio. Okay. Vincent D'Onofrio. Whoa. The Kingpin. Or Edgar. <laughs> Robert, Robert Patrick. Wow. Hey. Stephen Amell. Meh. I can live without that. I'm <laughs> being facetious. So, all right. So, Providence Look has got Daniel, its stuff dude. together. Kit from the Knight Rider. Oh, my God. Man. See, now, they didn't have this stuff when we were growing up. Dude, Jamie Farr from MASH. And apparently John Cleese. John Cleese? Oh, John Cleese is being canceled right now. We shouldn't want to see him. Oh, no, no, I don't want to see him now. I want to see him like 30 years ago. <laughs> yeah. But they didn't have this stuff back then. If you wanted to go see something like this, you had to fly to California or Florida, maybe New York. But that was it. You there were there these conventions, not a thing. And now they're everywhere. Oh, I know. They're everywhere. I, I I probably wouldn't have gone as a kid because I wouldn't have thought of that as an opportunity. I would have seen it and said, oh, that'd be really nice to go, but I don't do that. <laughs> like I do now as an adult. So, But that's my own psychology. Oh, you, you got me. All I know is my wife is like, oh, you should go. I'm like, yeah, I'd kind of like to. Yeah, you should, dude. It's right there. I've never been to one of these. And I know as a, I, as a, as a you know, pretty, I, I would say pretty um, I would say my, my nerd card is pretty damn impressive. I think you could hang with them, yeah. With your eidetic memory and everything, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you wouldn't be the most perfect eidetic memory, but... Timothy Zahn. Uh-oh. What? Really? Timothy Zahn. There's that... How long is this convention for? Like three days or something like that. Three flipping days? Yeah. But, I mean, dude, it's, it's Timothy Zahn. Yeah. Which, by the way, in Star Wars news, apparently they've they've kind of it's kind of been leaked that they are probably going with Lars Mikkelsen to play Grand Admiral Thrawn. Yeah, I'm on board with that. Lars Mikkelsen. What 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 did he? Lars what's Nicholson. he been in? Well, he's Mad Mikkelsen's brother, but he he was the voice right. of Thrawn in Rebels. He was uh, one of the he was one of the season long baddies in, in a season of Sherlock. Oh wait, so he was the voice of Zahn in in the cartoon. Thrawn. 
Thrawn. Yeah, uh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, Timothy Zahn. I was looking yeah, him up. Yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, he's yeah. the writer and all that. Yeah, I get it. I get it. I get. It. He's the voice of Thrawn in the in Rebels. Okay. Well, good. He should be, which is what they should have done with Ahsoka. But Ashley Eckstein is just she's so small. <laughs> she is. I still think Disney would be extremely wise to, in the Ahsoka series, do a flashback and have Ashley Eckstein as young Ahsoka. Just saying. Yeah. Just saying. They should. She's uh. They won't do it, but. I don't know. I'm enjoying Andor so far, by the way. Like, it is. I haven't watched the most latest episode, but uh, it's shockingly good. What, Andor? Yeah. Oh, yes, quite good. So, I. I I don't know. I mean, it's, it's weird because it's almost as if. I'm cutting out my video for a second. Um, it's almost as if like they knew that Kenobi was going to get views, so they weren't going to pay for a good writer, right? <laughs> so <laughs> they're like, no, we'll we'll put more money in the writing for a show like Andor. And I got to say, Andor is miles better than Kenobi ever was. And I didn't, I, I'm not saying Kenobi is bad, but come on, you could tell the the quality of writing in Andor is miles ahead of what Kenobi is. Well, they're obviously planning something big here. What do you mean? I mean, well, for starters, what was Kenobi? Like eight episodes, and this is going to be what, like 15? I think it's like 15 or 13 or something. 13 or 15. It's a lot of episodes. Yeah, for a Disney Plus show, it's a lot of episodes, which I'm all on board with because... Right now, they're just showing sides of Star Wars you don't see. I mean, no, we, Kenobi didn't retread a ton of new ground. I mean, the Underground Jedi Railroad, I like that. That was a nice touch. That's something that you could see show up maybe here in Andor, even though you can tell they're really just trying to stay away from the, the mystical parts of Star Wars. The Right. Well, I love the idea of the ISB. The Intelligence Security Board, or whatever it's it called. It's new. It's been hinted at in canon for years. I'm sure. Vaguely discussed. And then, but now you're getting to see it really. And of course, one of the head bad guys is a Game of Thrones actor. <laughs> don't ask me. To, don't ask me who it is because I, I won't know. Oh, no, that's okay. Okay, thank you. There's like three Game of Thrones actors who's appeared in multiple episodes of the show already. (laughs) Um, But, you know, you've got some... I mean, they cut back to the former security guard, and he's sitting at his mom's house eating cereal. (laughs) Was that in the latest episode? Yes. I didn't see it. (laughs) I'm not spoiling major plot points i know you're not i know you're not but i just can't react the way you want me to and i'm sorry (laughs) i'm all up to date on she hulk (laughs) great episode this last week it was fun it was a lot of fun 
I liked that. Daredevil uh, with a walk of shame in the universe. I know. I saw that. I'm so like, did. first I of all, laughing. Do, but I thought it was funny. You <laughs> Morning. Morning. <laughs> yeah. I'm just a super, super suit dude. <laughs> just walking down. Then again, where does she live? L.A.? Not yeah. Weird. There's, not weird. It probably, not no, weird. it's not weird. Not where she lives. It's probably just outside of West L.A., probably close to La Brea. Uh, yeah. It's Whoa. the heart of L.A. So. <laughs> Heard that the season finale has some Bruce. So we'll see. I heard that there's a a rematch between him and Abomination. It's interesting. By the way, the episode with Tim Roth is the, (laughs) the, like the new age, like group therapist up there. Namaste. (laughs) What was it? Abomaste? Isn't that what it is? Yeah, Abomaste or something like that. Yeah. And all those, all those crazy. Where did all these people come from with all these powers? By the way, I mean, I I know that they're alluding to them all being mutants well, and stuff. A lot of them are comic book characters. I know, like fucking derated comic book characters. Like they're not even <laughs> on the C list. Like Goat Boy. <laughs> it wasn't called Goat Boy, but. Uh, yeah, it's an interesting deal. Oh, well, who was the the not the echidna, but the um, what? Who's the hedgehog? No, porcupine. Porcupine. Thank you. I went from echidna to hedgehog to porcupine. That was hilarious. <laughs> he wore his suit as as a source of security. So, all right, we're jumping around, uh, but. You know, speaking of Comic Cons, we had a lot come out this past weekend with New York Comic Con. Would you oh like to lead us down that road? And folks, we have got Trek up the wazoo. More so than Star Trek Day. Yes, we are going a trek up the wazoo. Yes, but there we're not going some up the wazoo. Dropped this week at New York Comic Con. <laughs> For starters, your personal hero, the biggest dick to ever sit in the captain's chair of the Enterprise. Captain Jellicoe. Enraging Edward Jellicoe is coming back to piss people off in Prodigy. Yeah, I guess I need to start watching Prodigy because I'm hearing that it's really good outside of what you're telling me. I watched the pilot. It was pretty interesting. I'm hearing it's good. And I, I it's really good, not just good. I, uh, I I'm know uh, that people are rating it above some of the live action shows, and it is a kid's show. Right. Well, my my whole point is, like, is it good in comparison to what's been bad so far or is it just good, like really good? And I'm I hearing is really good. Yeah, I, I've only got to watch the extended pilot, which is close to an hour. And. But go ahead. Sorry. And it was good. There's characters that they literally start off no one being able to communicate with each other because nobody has a universal communicate universal translator. Oh, interesting. So there's there's a lot going on. It's obviously they're hinting at there's some there's some things you know 
ongoing plots and, and whatnot. But let me tell you, just after watching one episode, something I might like want to watch more of. It's kind of like how Rebels definitely seemed like it was a bit of a step down at first, you know, a little more towards kids, and it probably was at first, but then you really kind of, once the series really got its foot footing, it had some really damn good Star Wars. It was it was really good Star Wars. It was definitely very kiddish at the beginning. You hit every you hit every mark on that, which is why I didn't continue to watch it because it's like, oh well, here's a cameo of C three PO and R two D two. Oh, they're kind of remaking the Star Tours thing. Oh, how cute. Well, that was yeah. Funny, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that wasn't a selling point for me. But yeah, uh, it, it was really good. Um, so, coming out of New York Comic Con, what do we got? Well, they did drop us an Edward Jellico. They dropped a phenomenal trailer for Picard season three. Oh my God, was that thing loaded? Very loaded. For starters, great. I sent you that meme today. The one uh, I'm actually I'm literally going through plumbers. our text thread right now. Plumbers. Oh yeah, the plumbers. Yes. Apparently, it's so funny. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. It is. It's so funny that uh, the daughter of the late great Christopher Plummer. What is it, Amanda Plummer? Yep. Looks like she's going to be playing one of the main villains of Picard season three. And somebody put up a meme today saying the last uh, Amanda Plummer is the last villain of the next gen crew is the daughter of Christopher Plummer, the last main villain of the original series crew. Yes. That is some, That's some deep stuff right there. I don't think I mean, Come on. It's I mean, intentional. Terry Mattel. Really? I mean, that. It's intentional. That is some Futurama level. Yeah. <clears throat> but it was intentionally done. And she can do it, by the way. I literally watched, rewatched, So I Married an Axe Murderer the night before the trailer dropped. And she was in it as the psycho sister. Oh. So it, that kind of blew my mind where the ether was telling me I needed to watch this movie so I knew who she was. Well, uh, I mean, she's she's kind of intimidating in the, the trailer. She can play crazy really well. She, and she can play smart. Like, she could, she could do a, uh, a... Oh, shoot. Who was... Dennis Hopper. She could. She is the female Dennis Hopper. Oh, that's weird. I know, right? But it's not. It's not. It's not an insult. A man who faced off against both John Wayne and Keanu Reeves. Exactly. There. Yeah, she, she is the equivalent. Um, she's got the chops to be able to pull that off. And I will be honest. I was not excited about the idea of yet another Federation ending event. 
I'm still. But that's what we do in everything now. I know that that's that's a that's a pain in the ass. Strange New Worlds doesn't do that because no. they have to figure out something for the next week. <laughs> Which, by the way, looking forward to that new season whenever that comes. Yeah. <clears throat> um. But uh, so that's my one holdup. Robert Meyer Burnett who is deep within the Star Trek lore. He was in charge of making all the, the, the Star Trek Next Generation Blu-rays and coordinating... Is he all deep the in the lore or actually deep in production? He's deep in production. He's deep in writing. Not necessarily for Star Trek, but he was involved in Star Trek. Um, he He's deep. Like, he, he is... He's, he's got deep. some solid credentials. He's got very solid credentials. He hated the first two seasons of Picard. He hates all of Discovery. And he is saying Picard season three is a knockout. It's wonderful. What does he think about Strange New Worlds? Um, he says it's not bad, but it's nothing new. Which I find to be nebulous. And I could be wrong in his description of it. Because when he has his shows on, they're like four hours long. I don't have time to watch a four-hour video podcast. I don't. So I try to to follow snippets here and there. He has his criticisms of Strange New Worlds. But he does acknowledge that it is definitely an upgrade from what Discovery and Picard seasons one and two were. So he acknowledges when it, there's when there's a difference. So uh, I admit I like Strange New Worlds more than he probably does, but he's freaking in love and excited for Star Trek Picard season three. Well, that's good. Hopefully, and hopefully it 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 meets everybody's because I mean it kind of almost. I wonder if she's like gonna go around and like. Like, what if, you know, like, oh, let's grab a, these old foes of the Enterprise and let's let's have a party because <laughs> they dropped two. Like a sinister. Famed, going. Yeah, they're having like, a, you know, a, a legion of doom. And Moriarty. Moriarty got the got one of Moriarty. the outsmarted data. That's interesting. Holy shit. Are they doing a Sinister Six with Picard? Well, they're definitely having a... They've definitely shown their hands of some sort of uh, terrible three. They're doing a Sinister Six with Picard. Oh, my God. Denise Crosby's coming back. She's going to be... No, they said... they, They have repeated that Denise Crosby is going to be involved, but they have repeatedly said not Sila. So I don't know... What that That's means? A lie. That's a freaking lie. How are they going to bring her back otherwise? You got me. Through got a me. flashback? Okay. The 30, 30, yeah, man. 34 years after she left the show, they're going to bring her back as in a flashback? Come on now. Hey, I, you got me, man. <laughs> Here, lore. So we know Spiner, he's back. He's lore. And he's going to be. He wasn't. He he wasn't white gold. So. 
No, he wasn't. And I mean, obviously, that's Brent Spiner saying we need to get rid of this makeup. I'm not doing it otherwise. Um, we know that that's what happened in the contracts. It'll be interesting how they describe it. Probably he's wearing makeup there to look more human so that he can get by <laughs> or something. But how did Laura get out of the Daystrom Institute? As I'm, I'm sure that Moriarty went to the Daystrom Institute in that storage um, container as well with the simulator. Daystrom maybe, Institute is a terrible... Maybe that was the Daystrom Institute that they blew up. No. No, that was definitely middle of San Francisco. Daystrom Institute is in Starfleet. And that was definitely a Starfleet you building. You never know. Remember all the great fakeouts they did in the trailers for, like, Infinity War? <laughs> yeah, but that's a movie. This is Paramount trying to make money, which they, they don't... They're this, didn't somebody... Didn't you tell me that this is being described as, like, a 10-hour TNG movie? I literally said that because Robert Meyer Burnett said that, yes. I know. I I just I don't see Paramount having enough money to be able to do fake scenes. I mean, they have to make every buck count. Whereas Marvel, they like uh, Disney and Marvel. They they with their TV shows on Disney Plus, they actually do like three different versions of an episode, and then they put together the one they think will be most likable. Which is where all that money's going, by the way. Like, so they can't do that with Paramount. They don't have enough money. You, you never know. You don't, I mean, you're right. I don't. I, in, 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 in that scene, that's probably not a lot of CGI changing because it's already a digital background. They could just have digitally put over the uh, Starfleet logo. I know, it just, it feels like too much of a callback to Star Trek Into Darkness. Again, I, I'm just, I'm showing you my concern, but I'm also telling you everything I've heard is positive. Okay, so I'm not trying to shit on it. Okay? I don't want to be that guy. Which I already am, I know. But, <laughs> I'm just trying to say, these are my concerns. Apparently my concerns are unfounded. This is just these are just my immediate thoughts watching this trailer. By the way, thank God Worf is Worf, except he's yeah, a me too. <laughs> yeah, I saw but, that in the A-Team movie when uh, they BA decided to go pacifist. Yeah. It, it doesn't last. It does and rips ass. I'm, I think it'll last like two episodes and then Worf's going to be slicing and dicing. I mean, why else carry the sword? Right. Well, okay, speaking of that sword, which we haven't seen, we've only seen the hilt of, it's not the sword from First Contact. It's called but, a mechless. You know it's a mechless. Be a man. Yeah. I didn't, I, I couldn't pull that out of my ass for the life of me. Um, oh, that should be very uncomfortable. It's, it's, it's a bladed weapon. It's true. Now, there are some serrations there, too. Um, the guy who designed that new weapon is the same guy who designed the original Batleth. Oh, good. You mean not the people who designed the 
bent <laughs> the paperclip. The, the stupid bent paperclip where when you hold the batleth, the points go towards the person who wields it. That's so freaking stupid. And that's so not Klingon. It's not Klingon. No, no, no. Oh, my God. I, I am flown into a rage with this behind-the-scenes thing where Klingons are about peace. And they're, the point of this new Batleth is to show that they're about peace by having the, 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 the weapon part facing away from the enemy. I'm like, really? Really? So really? 50 years of canon just didn't sink in with this fuck face. It didn't sink in with any of those fuck faces. And they had to hide it. Again, like, here's the, th- here's the genuine part. These actors, in Discovery particularly, but anyone out of CBS Star Trek right now, they're on a short leash. They can't tell what they're really feeling. They have to do the company line. Fear. Yeah. Yeah. And well, let, let me tell you, I look forward to Picard season three. We I'm anxiously awaiting it. We get more. We get Moriarty. Two people who have been a, a peated thorn in the side of this crew. But I guess we'll figure out what the connection is with Amanda Plummer's character. I'm kind of hoping some of the big burly goons in the masks are Nausicans, because that's always fun. What if Amanda Plummer's character... Okay, hear me out. Hear me out. What if Amanda Plummer's character is the, the, the older version of the woman that was a friend of Jean-Luc's in Tapestry? The, uh, the other Starfleet officer? Yeah. That would mean that there's some timey-wimey shit going on. No, she's about 99. No, because... I mean... It seems very personal. And what everything we're led to believe is that when Q put the timeline right, that he and his friend didn't have any hanky-panky. No, I agree, but it's still possible. What if she was? What if she was upset that they never hooked up? I mean, it's a, it's a. Believe me, it is a long distance bat to try to make that connect. Trust me. You went a long way getting from there. I to did. Here. I did. <laughs> but By it has the way, to. That were that, that those lyrics can never not be used. No, it's they a can't. Hilarious effect in a Star Trek pun. You and you use that reference in introducing our very own podcast to everyone. <laughs> well, what can I say? I'm epic. Yeah. Yeah, to say the least, honestly. So <laughs> Epic, epic calf man over here. <laughs> Why don't you flex those muscles there to, do, you know, just add to it. You're not going to do it. No, you just did a tip of the cap. Nice. In the eyebrow. 
Yeah. Nice. Well done. Um. Oh no! You know what I was thinking that it was Regina. Originally, Amanda Plummer's character was Regina, his uh, the love interest for Moriarty. The Countess Regina. Yeah. Interesting. I do. I think the actress may have passed on. Which is why they have Amanda Plunder, Plummer doing it now. But she, is she speaking with an English accent? I don't think she is. No. But she's also a hologram, so who knows? All right. Well, okay. So we've 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 got a well, long. Who is she it? would still be alive. The actress. Okay. Hmm. Interesting. I guess we shall see. Oh, we shall see. Really? What do you mean? What do you mean? Don't be so subtle. Uh, well, who her character is? Amanda Plummer's character? Yeah. Uh, you know what irritates me? Star Trek The Next Generation is not the first or second se- series that comes up when you put in Star Trek on IMDb. It's like eighth or ninth. Uh, wait, what? You're muttering. I am. Um, Parallels was the best. Sub Rosa. I don't self masks. All right, well, we could talk about masks. Um, Why are we talking about masks? Because this is our little segue into Star Trek Lower Decks. Uh, oh. <laughs> that wasn't the in this episode. episode. Season seven, <laughs> maybe, maybe the last five seasons of TNG masks, and they went ahead and referenced it in Lower Decks. <laughs> was that in that episode, or no? That was that was in the it episode, episode where, where they were... were trying to relax and recoup and stuff. <laughs> no. The episode that was, I guess, was it two weeks ago now? I don't know. Oh, two weeks ago now. Yeah, no, it was, uh, shoot, it will be two weeks ago. What? New episodes come out Thursdays, right? Yes. Yeah, so it'll be two weeks ago this Thursday. Yeah. Um. Oh my God! Uh, my, uh, Are you really blanking on this? No, it's just it was just so epic. <laughs> You're overwhelmed. Well, I mean, we knew it was coming. We knew it yes. was coming. Here, all trust nothing. Here, all trust nothing. Rule of acquisition from September twenty ninth. Rule of acquisition. Like 94 or something like that. <laughs> Thank you. So. I am now almost completely caught up with Lower Decks. I technically watched the very last episode that came out last week, but I don't remember shit about it. So I was falling asleep at that point. I was dead tired. I watched it, too, and I'm drawing a blank. There were the Eagle people. 
Oh, yes, that was the Peanut Hamper episode. Oh, my God, That's Peanut right. Hamper. Yeah, I got to rewatch that because friggin' Peanut Hamper, the, 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 the exocomp. By the way, just the worst. <laughs> I mean, like, she's, she's designed to be the worst. But in that episode, we get another Deep Space Nine cameo. Jeffrey Combs came back. Yes, he did. Agamus, repeating the role from last season. Yeah. The, <laughs> the, the evil sentient computer who kept trying to outsmart uh, Mariner and Boimler. Which, by the Which, way, that was supposed to be at the Daystrom Institute too, but Agamus somehow got out. <laughs> so, no, they're now... Peanut Hamper and Agamus are like cellmates, I think, at the day. Yeah, they are. They could, that would be an interesting return duo to face off against the crew of the Cerritos. All you need is just more Jeffrey Combs. Just saying. He's not in anything else, by the way. He needs to be in more things. Oh, I'm sure. All right, let me rephrase. He needs to be in more things that I'm watching. (laughs) Fair enough. I'm sure his profile is rising again. Mm Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. Go ahead. Here's the thing. Man, it would have been good to have him in this last, in that episode of Deep Space Nine. Oh, my God, right? Brunt FCA. Oh, geez. Brilliant. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. And didn't I tell you that they had some callbacks to earlier Deep Space Nine episodes in this episode? Yeah, well, the was it the Caribbeans? Karma. Karma. I couldn't find them in my Star Trek encyclopedia. And I know that my Star Trek encyclopedia is good through season two of Deep Space Nine. They were mentioned in season two. You see, if you had the updated version that I have, you would have the karma. Okay, well, my parents weren't going to spring for a $35 encyclopedia. <laughs> that was, you already had, right? That I already it, had, it, mostly yeah. of, yeah. <laughs> and in color, say, by the way. Needless to say, uh, I believe... In the uh, great Deep Space Nine episode, Starship Down, where they're trying to meet with the Karma and come under attack by Jem'Hadar. That's what it was, yes. And the Karma representative was played by the great James Cromwell. James Cromwell, yep. So, ties back to that, ties back to the search, where Quark actually helps Federation kind of get in touch with the karma through yep. their trades, through the trade negotiations. The so, Frangi, Frangi Alliance had a trade agreement. negotiation, yeah, a trade agreement with the karma. So, and let me tell you, they brought it all back in this episode. Quark stole proprietary <laughs> technology. 
and made a fortune franchising quarks. It was brilliant. The Karma are pissed. They're out for revenge. They're going to Deep Space Nine, and they're after Quark. Yep. But the Federation starship that was supposed to broker this agreement had to go elsewhere. And so the Cerritos, the Cerritos is at Deep Space Nine, Captain Freeman working with Colonel Kira to help broker this agreement between the Federation and the Karama. Now, can we... Uh... Let's talk about that that seeing Deep Space Nine for the first time. Beautifully rendered. Even though it is a, a fascist Cardassian eyesore. <laughs> <laughs> or whatever uh, it was that Shax called it. Yeah, I like that Shax has a has a, a past with Kira. Not not romantically, but uh, uh, in battle, <laughs> past. I, uh, I love how they're uh, no, but you you saved my life. But that was after you saved my life. Yeah, and you, it was, and it just escalated. It was it was well done because not a visitor can sell it. Oh yeah, and yeah. It's like this is like five or six years after the end of Deep Space Nine. Colonel Kira's in charge of the station. It's if you notice the Brit, uh, the ops is is I think was all. It's all Yeah, there was, uh, there was some Starfleet presence there. Obviously, yeah, the Orion Mariner had been right, and Mariner had the <laughs> had been stationed there. But that was fun. The whole the the the, the B plot with Mariner trying to hang hang out with Jennifer's friends and just not be her. It was funny. I didn't need it. I needed more A-line. We just needed more on the station. Yeah. Uh, By the way, Armin Shimmerman didn't skip a beat. He was the same old quark, and I swear he put in a mouth prosthesis to... Mike McMahon said he brought his teeth... With him. He brought his teeth with him. He Holy him crap! With him. He did. So he made it authentic. Because I'm sitting here going, he sounds like his mouth is imp- just like in live action. Yeah. I mean, they both sound older, and that's true. Well, that'll happen. But uh, I mean, <sighs> Quark was probably the best represented. I I loved Nana Visitor. It, it was refreshing to hear her. And also, did you not think that like she was looking at the wormhole opening, hoping that maybe the emissary was coming back? Like there's just that 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 one longing look. Like they didn't they didn't make her eyes change or anything. She didn't have disappointment in seeing the what's that ship called? The Carmen. The caramel ship. The caramel ship. Caramel, yeah. The caramel ship. She didn't look disappointed. The, uh, yeah. But she was out there looking, just, you know, watching. Watching. Maybe that next wormhole opening would be Cisco. You know what, what was just a little bit of a downer? No Defiant. 
You're right. There was no defiant. Probably if, because they didn't need if, it anymore. If, if the Bajorans are mostly in control and they did not look like they were members of the Federation, who knows? I mean, maybe the Defiant was on a patrol in the Gamma Quadrant. You don't know. You don't know. There was obviously some Starfleet people assigned there, so who knows? But it would have been nice to see the Defiant. It would have. It would have. But hmm. they got all the details right as far as the design of the station, the promenade, the interior. I I, I would have thought, you know, you might have gotten Alexander Siddig on back as Julian Bashir. He's probably at Starfleet I, Medical now. He, he would have been down with that. But, you know, all the references to a tailor shop, to, oh, that's O'Brien's dartboard. And, oh, they have yeah, a where No, are, dude, this is the original quarks. Yeah. <laughs> you want to hang out at a chain restaurant? Pfft, you guys are lame. <laughs> I I did. Okay, this episode solidified with me. And I know you disagree with this and I'm not I'm not pointing this out to 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 t- twist a dagger or anything. I'm not trying to be an a-hole. Oh, this is a show about Star Trek. It's not it's not a continuation of Star Trek. Again, I'm going to have it's to disagree with you. Based on this episode, this gives me a lot of supporting. One, they actually tie it to Picard because there was a Quarks on Free Cloud. Right. No, I know that. Which, I mean. But, again, they referenced the meetings Quark had with the Karma in the past. I and know. I mean, they can do technology. all that. They can I'm do all you. that. Yeah, but now you now you're stepping on my point. You I don't mean to, but to if you it. want to point that out. This is why I think that it is Star Trek. Well, okay, let's go back to the season two finale episode. Very well done. Loved everything about it. Outside of the box, classic Star Trek episode, episode, just like the end of season one. Like, like very Star Trek, very much so. I just with the absurdity of what the show is, I I don't see. It translating. To a point where if we see Nana Visitor. In live action. That it's going to be clearly referenced that she had this experience with the Cerritos. Now they'll mention, they'll mention, they're probably going to mention the Cerritos at some point during season three of Picard, by the way. I'm guarantee you they will. (laughs) Or a California class ship. That'll be it. They'll do that. They will. But all I'm saying is, like, this show is a love letter and appreciation to Star Trek, but it is not the continuation of Star Trek. That's all. And you can. And you can. That's fine. We can't. We. I mean, none of us are going to fight to the death on this. (laughs) I just maintain that some of your points there 
also I feel proved mine, but you know, I, I enjoy it. I, I think it's at times as true to Trek vision as anything that's been put out in the last five, six years. Even if it is goofy. And let me tell you, I've been, I've seen some goofy units. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm sure you have. Not everyone's going to be the elite. <laughs> no. And they did mention that in, I don't know, was it season two or season three, where someone was mocking them for having different uniforms than the frontline ships and stuff. In season two, they made a bigger effort to, to point out that the Cerritos is not a frontline ship. The California class are not a frontline um, force. And that everyone in those ships wears a different uniform because they're a different class of officer. Or a different different class of different. It's almost like there are different. Um, uh, shit, Service? like Marines versus Marines versus Navy. You know, a, dim, a different armed service arm. Oh, a different arm of the service. You know what I mean? There you go. That's what I was looking for. They almost did well, made it, you know it's, made it that this way. Is it's kind of more like being on a freighter than it is being on a destroyer. But in the Navy, don't they all wear the same uniforms? <laughs> yeah, but, you know, I wore a different uniform overseas at times. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Although that episode where they were doing Starfleet recruiting was pretty classic. That was awesome. <laughs> I've, I've, sat at, I've sat at booths and had to listen to people <laughs> bitch about service. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, bitch how? Because the um, I'd be curious because I would never, if I was anti-military, I would never have the guts to say anti-military things in front of the military. And that's just me. I'm a coward. But... <laughs> well... I mean, you have people who will come up and, you know, oh, I don't respect what you guys do. You guys are pawns of the, you know, of the elite. You guys are fascist. Pawns uh, of the oh, elite. Oh, man, nice. you guys are yeah, fascist. You guys are, nice. you guys are uh, uneducated. Uh, sure. Okay. You know. Yeah. <laughs> There's plenty of people who are just ignorant. And douchey, elitist, elitist, pompous assholes that are the ones that yeah, say most things of like whom that. Couldn't pass the physical, or, or the. Well, I was going to join, but if a drill sergeant got in my face, I'd knock his ass out. No, if a drill sergeant got in your face, you'd wet yourself. <laughs> you would. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's true. It's one of those things. It's so funny the psychology behind um, uh, boot camp. It's just it's it, it works. It works. It's down to a T. I mean, it's down to a T. I would love to see uh, Starfleet boot camp for enlistment. Work those algebraic equations. <laughs> yeah, and if there's one show that would actually show that, it'd be Lower Decks. Corporal, did I see that you did negative B time plus or minus the square root of A times C times 1 squared? That's incorrect. <laughs> Bring it down, son. Bring it down. 
Obviously, everyone knows that Kepler's rules of orbit would require you to slow down the orbit when you're farther away from the center of the, the, the gravitational okay. mass. Back it off. Back it off. I know things physically. I drink and I know things. <laughs> anyway, all right. Uh, whoever's in charge of lower decks needs to work on that now. So, I don't know. I, I enjoyed this episode. There were some great references. DS9, the DS9 episode. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Fear all, trust nothing. It was, I, it was classic fun. Quark. It was classic Akira. It was it was nice to see them. Well, you know, I kind of got a vibe that maybe we'd get Quark just because it it was probably going to be the easiest to fit in, you know, with the, the wackiness. The Ferengi had to be there, right? Oh, okay. yeah. But getting Nana visitor back as Kira was lovely. Mm-hmm. Oh, and she had Cisco's baseball. She did, which was excellent. Yes, I saw that. I'm like, oh, he does exist right still. Feels right in the field. Yeah, yeah. It's a oh god. DS9 was such a good show, and man, I didn't appreciate it when it first came out, but that was such a smartly written show. Did I say smartly? Smartly written show. Wicked smart. It, it was wicked smart. It it was so well done. It was just too well done. It was too smart for my twelve year old sensibilities. And I've complained about this before. Like you go back and you rewatch that as an adult. Now you're like, whoa, that is a deep uh, concept of what they're going for right now. They crushed it. And like with the circle. <laughs> I mean, man. Yeah, oh, yeah. You know, I, I really... This was the, the love that Deep Space Nine has finally deserved. Next Gen has gotten love on a lot of these shows. Voyager's been getting love. Deep Space Nine has gotten the royal shaft. And they're, like, they're, they're considered the best of all the series in the Berman era. I know. What do we get? You know, the skulls of Dukat and Martok? Yeah. The skull of a Ferengi? Uh, uh, the Grand Nagus. Of a General Cisco. I mean... You get a yeah. reference it's to a weird. Quarks? Yeah, they had a reference to a Quarks. Did they go to Quarks? Were they in Quarks or were they in... No, but it was one of those, like, flashing background signs. Yeah. Come to Quarks. Quarks is fun. Um, But you're right. DS9 doesn't get any kind of, like, referential respect. It's weird. It does on this podcast, my friend. Well, yeah, we get all we give it all the respect. There we go. Hold on. Well, look, we've got a lot of, you know, there's a lot of love in this one. You get. Actually, you get Kira and Shax repeatedly arguing. 
over who saves <laughs> each other's lives more or who yeah. loves you. And then finally at the end, she's like, fine, you can owe me. And he's like, oh, don't do that to me. <laughs> just, but they finally kind of reach a bit of a detente. And then Mariner lets on to Quark, who's trying to, after losing a majority of his profits, is trying to get Mariner to pay off her tab. And she goes ahead and hints that he's got that that um, copy of the, the, the Hollow Sweet program with his head on Kira's body uh, in, from Meridian and is willing to give it back if she wipes the slate clean. The next thing you see is Quark trying to run it away from Kira. It touches the heart. It was so good. And damn, I gotta say that they just did such a great job rendering the station inside and out. And the song, the theme song. Man, did it sound beautiful. And the music, the music when they were beginning to walk on the promenade. That was classic DS9 music right there that they were yeah. using. Did, did they they use the uh, season one through three, right? They the did. They used, they used the, the, the first three seasons for the theme. And then walking through the promenade, they were using scene establishment music that was done at the beginning of almost every episode in DS9. Yeah, I think I remember hearing that. It was great. It was great. Uh, you know... When Quark decides he was trying to like, you know, get rid of the car, and he's like, "No, I, I, it's a little something about the Dominion War." It's like you, like, I'm like, Quark, what are you doing? He's like, "I'm whatever, standing by my morals." She's like, "You don't have any morals. <laughs> you don't have anything." No, it's true. It's true. It's so good. So I gotta say this. You know, my I mean, you've already heard my assessment about my feelings on on Lower Decks. I will say it doesn't feel like a chore to watch. I do enjoy it. Oh, you thought it was at the beginning. I thought it would be. I honestly thought it. And it actually kind of was for the first half of the first season. I uh, it didn't have my faith in it. And then the second yeah, half yeah. of this first season. You know, it, it it began to win me over, and we did a whole episode about how you you completely redeemed yourself. <laughs> I didn't redeem myself. You finally pulled your head out of your ass. Well, it's very hard to get out of once it's up there. Um, but yes, it is. <laughs> my point being, there's some good stuff coming out of lower decks that that I, I do appreciate. And uh, well, there are things I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see what's that. happening. Well, they've got some subplots running there. The whole what happened to Rutherford, secret bad guys kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, they keep mentioning all these people who you think they join the Cerritos, never show up. <laughs> so I kind of think there's going to be some people who like drop in. You know, it wouldn't surprise me if you do get a peanut hamper Agamus team up. Maybe not this year, but next season. You know? Oh, they totally set it up for next season, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
I mean, it'll be fun. You know, you're learning more about the characters. They all have are different things. You know, they're they're growing and getting to just reach out and touch familiar parts of the Star Trek galaxy, but also new stuff. And of course, let's not forget to mention that J.G. Hertzler was in the last episode, the Peanut Hammer episode. He's like one of the scavenger bosses. Oh, yeah, that's true. So Shoot. Let's just go ahead and, and say that we're not, you know, just getting cheesy cameos for things. I, I guess at this point, J.G. Hertzler is a recurring character. He's voiced that mm-hmm. character at least twice. You get Jeffrey Combs twice playing the same character. Yep. Uh, Riker had like three appearances. You know, I mean, you're getting Trek veterans to come back and doing not just like voice cameos. I mean, the Tom Paris thing was maybe a little more gratuitous. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> yeah, that was. The Titan was. But Tom Paris is a gratuitous character. Right. <laughs> but um, <laughs> what else was it? Uh, I mean, I, I think it's nice they're getting these actors to come back. I mean, Kira and Quark were very much parts of this episode. Mm-hmm. They weren't just a, a walk by and oh, okay, I want to have a drink here at my bar, and I'm Quark, you know. No, they yeah. literally were key members of this this plot. Yeah, they they were they were they were the A plot. I mean <laughs> Colin so, always said he would come back to Star Trek if the role was right. And Tom Meany I mean, showed up in an episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. So yeah. <laughs> repeatedly brought up and you need to get off that horse. Because the man has done so much more than that. I do need to see Nowhere, Alaska. Mystery Alaska. Oh, Mystery Alaska. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. I do need to see I that. I saw that. He was the mayor. Yeah. <laughs> you need to see Hell on Wheels, dude. Uh, I do need to see that, too, yeah. He was as good a bastard in that as he is in... And Con Air. Man. He plays a great bastard. Oh. <laughs> Even better, he played a real bastard. He played a real a real historical figure. Oh, yeah. That was great, though. That's uh, right. Civil War. Hell on Wheels. That's like 57 episodes, though, man. Yeah, it was five seasons I, on AMC. Starring I better get started. Mountain, Colin Meaning. I gotta get started. Look, if you don't like, watch like the first episode or two. If you don't like it, you don't like it. That's okay. Um, yeah, Anson Mount has got to call Comedy and say you need to be on Discovery, uh, not Discovery, uh, Strange New Worlds, right? They're gonna bring like him on as like some ancestor of O'Brien's. I mean, no, he could be. They're sold. He's he... gone back to the Enterprise before. <laughs> it's true. Uh, shit, you're right. <laughs> With the one man who hates temporal mechanics, he's he's been through an awful lot of temporal mechanics. <laughs> Maybe just have him drop a Danny Glover. I'm getting too old for this shit. Yeah. 
That would be too I mean, bit like though. Yeah, but still. Uh, again, I would not surprise me if Colomini shows up in Picard season three. It would be nice. I would like it. I just don't know. I, I, I oh God, uh, DT. I mean, I want to give them credit for being able to have that foresight. I really do. They haven't earned it, though. No, you're right. But if there's one guy who needs to come back to Star Trek. It's O'Brien. He single-handedly has been in most episodes of Star Trek. Second. Oh, who's the first most? Yeah, you're right. You're right. We've had this right. even with that, even if with season three, you're right. We did, we did. You're right, but even with season three, Calmini wasn't able to make up for it, huh? Oh yeah, I know. I mean, huh. season three of what? Deep Space Nine, because DS Nine was on its own. Well, for three years, yeah. Well, I, no, it wasn't on. I mean, yeah, it's. TNG had ended at the end of uh, season two of, of oh, DSI, yeah. so. Where can we see? And then Worf comes in on season four. You have made an enemy today. <laughs> yes, we do not forgive. Or forget. Or forget. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Galra. <laughs> Glory to you. Your house. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about uh, scenery chewing. Oh my god. <laughs> All right, now we're now we're getting on to Galron stuff. I think we're running out of things to say. Um, anything else top of mind? Uh, we got, like I said, we got some great stuff out of. We, we got some great stuff out of uh, comic uh, New York Comic Con, um, mostly about Picard season three, but of course Jellico is going to be on Prodigy. Uh, Couple of quick things. Jordy's daughters will be in Star Trek Picard, one of whom is played yep. by LeVar Burton's real life daughter. So that's correct. Isn't there. she the one that's piloting the uh the Enterprise? Or no, the Titan? I don't know, but I look forward to it. I think it's fantastic. But we do have some the Titan sad a, news today. Yes. Do have sad news today. The 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 serial murderer from Cabot Cove has passed on and been caught. Ah uh, yes, the late <laughs> great Angela Lansbury passed away today. Yes, we. Uh, I always loved her. I always found her comforting. She I just felt, had that I, voice. Yeah. 
And I, I hope that children will remember the animated Beauty and the Beast and not the live action one. Well, I mean. A Disney legend, uh, one of my personal favorite Disney movies, Bed Knobs and Broomsticks. On Disney Plus. <laughs> yep. That was a great That's actually the 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 machine gun music i'm sorry the machine gun sounds from bed knobs and broomsticks i used in my high school movie um about vietnam i lifted oh. i lifted all that machine gun stuff from there it, it it doesn't i mean so anyone who knows what um the the guns sound like in world war ii versus what they were in vietnam knows that that was that did not match but uh <laughs> yeah and i loved that that movie i watched that again and again every time it was on the uh D uh disney channel oh yeah what is it laguna tracorum laguna status d something like that yeah, it was all ridiculous mumbo jumbo, but it was a delightful movie. And you know, one of the things that we you don't probably know is if you think our weapons sounded in Vietnam like German weapons, it's because we took a lot of uh, German weapon ideas and turned them into American weapons. Too. <laughs> You can, as as the winner of a war, you could take the good and leave the bad. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, she'll be missed. She was a wonderful. I mean, she was in um, Mary Poppins Returns, and I don't know if you've seen it. That's a delightful movie. Oh yeah, no, definitely. Uh, I didn't see it. My kid did. She thoroughly enjoyed it, but. It's a really good watch. You would like it. She, I mean, she's acting since fifties. I think she was in the original Manchurian Candidate. Yeah, she was quite the dish, by the way. And she was quite the villain in that as well. Mm -hmm. But you know, people our age, you know, we probably watched Bed Knobs and Broomsticks on Disney, and then we, she was the voice of Mrs. Potts and. Uh, the Beauty and the Beast. And she sang the iconic song. <clears throat> she did. <laughs> she lovely... one of the most important songs ever in Disney history. Oh yeah, and of course, she was the incomparable Jessica Fletcher on the delightful '80s and '90s show Murder She Wrote. <clears throat> I mean, uh, where wherever she went, there was a murder and no one connected her to it. <laughs> Yet she somehow found the murderer every time. Right. <laughs> I think it was through circumstantial evidence at best, by the way. <laughs> the show ran for 12 years. OK, she, it should have been called How to Get Away with Murder. So. <laughs> You, you gotta remember, though. I mean, that's a woman who was battling ageism in Hollywood, and basically. Oh, I know. Ass. I she mean, did. 
But I get it. I get it. Re- Don't we would be we would be remiss if we did not mention a favorite. Such a such a legend. Yes. And by the way, technically would fit in this with all the fantastical elements of some of these Disney movies she was in. You're absolutely correct. And and she's going to be missed. I would argue that she will be missed more for me than Betty White. Oh, I grew up watching the Golden Girls with my grandparents. <laughs> it's hard. It's I'm not hard. telling you to make a choice. I'm just saying no, that for me. For me I, 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 could, I couldn't make that choice. No. Um, I mean, these these ladies were extremely talented and just parts of my childhood and hell into as an adult (laughs) Mm -hmm. absolutely it's uh it's tough to see our legends go it's uh just a hallmark of getting older true and we we here at those sci-fi guys like to recognize our legends these people who impacted us in some way or somebody we have enjoyed and i hope you guys don't influenced mind us, we, will, yeah. we will have some memoriam to uh these these great people that we uh we've gotten hours of entertainment out of and of course a lot of them we've talked about their prime was before we were born i know <laughs> Bed knobs and broomsticks came out ten years before we were born. <laughs> I know, and she so was old movie. then by Hollywood standards. Oh yeah, like she was she ancient then. She was she was fifty two maybe, like maybe, like, uh, ten years away from where we are right now. Like <laughs> you just don't stifle a talent like Angela Lansbury. I'm saying you can't do it. You cannot. You cannot. You know. And I, mean, I think that's a lesson we should all take take away. Yep. You know, and learn to live with. I mean, you can't you can't stifle talent when ta- talent is due. Agreed. And you know what? All I'm looking for right now is just a little bit more fun. Amen. uh, By the way, before we sign off, did you watch Werewolf by Night? Yes, I wanted to talk to you about that next episode. We'll do that. Next episode, let's talk about Werewolf by Night. That was a trip. It was, I've got shocking things to say about it. Shocking things. Uh, Exactly. Exactly. As do I. And... Brea is back and off to a good start. Shit. Is is the season finale still on the Hulu or is it back on Peacock, Peacock. now? You've been watching on Peacock. You still um, haven't watched the season finale? No. Jeez. Dude, you told me you liked the show. Then you I did. It. And I, I downloaded every single episode except the season finale because I didn't have room on my phone. Finished it. 
on the airplane and then I got distracted. I know I it's it's a it. terrible excuse. I'm a, I'm a horrible excuse of a human being. I don't even know how I have my own life together, to be honest with you. It's a friggin' miracle I can put my pants on. Oh, wait, I don't. I put on sweat shorts every day because I work from home. Oh, Lord. Ugh. Although I'm going like back said, to the office next week. La Brea season two off to a good start. Here we go. La Brea. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Wait, probably because it's on ABC. <gasps> no. No. First season, NBC. you have to have. Uh, yeah, first season, though, to watch all the episodes, you have to have Peacock Plus or whatever it's called. So I just learned something brand new. Uh, I think to watch the first episode, I think I could watch all of season one. I went to check because I forgot to record season two, episode one. Uh, I could watch season one. I could not watch the first episode of season two without going to Peacock Plus. Might be able to watch the hmm. season finale. But well, I I, I'm, I'm now checking out NBC, the NBC app. Well, I learned now, because we have the Xfinity here in New England, there's a free Peacock Premium. Yes, that's what I have. And I just upgraded. Yeah. So, so I can watch I, it. I, I, mean, I just watched I, the first two episodes yesterday and today. But it costs like $5 more to have Peacock Premium. It No, I said it comes with the Xfinity we have. Right. Well, I have Xfinity. I'm just telling you, I'm not paying anymore. It came free. Son of a gun. Fine. No, it's telling me to pick a freaking plan. And premium is $5. I didn't have and to And then ad-free is 10 Dude, Oh, no, mine's out. not ad-free. It's premium, but it's not ad free. All right, so it's it's okay. So it's the five dollar. Well, I I don't know what you've got. Okay, I don't know what you've got, but <laughs> apparently so for I'm some reason getting... Peacock is is being weird on me. Like all the old shows you can watch for free on Peacock, by the way. Um, I, I know. With minimal let's, advertisement. Let's just say you gotta watch La Brea, man. Uh, I'm just this close to just the, you know, buying that last episode on like Apple iTunes or something. Mine as well. <laughs> it was worth it. So, and hopefully they'll have a nice recap previously on La Brea. Because so, <laughs> it's recap. been almost a year. They do. Recap. At the end of season one? Uh, at the end of every episode. Beginning of the start oh, of the episode. Yeah. They pull a they pull a good gargoyles then or a good Stargate. Or Deep they Space do Nine. that previously. Yeah. So. All right, noted, noted. Listen, I'm working on it, okay? I it's a miracle that I got all of uh, almost all of um lower decks done. Uh, yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> I'm looking forward to seeing how um uh, how season three up, wraps up uh, for Lower Decks. And, you know, excited. We've got a lot of great Star Trek content.
coming up. I, I can't wait for Picard. Excited for season two of of uh, Strange, Strange New, New World. Worlds. And I know you're not going to like to hear this. I'm curious about the next season of Discovery. Um, it can go suck a big floppy uh, whale if I if I care. Well, uh, not you, thing. not you, sir, not you. <laughs> it the show can. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> if I run into Anthony I'm... Rapp at uh, Rhode Island Comic Con, I will keep your opinions uh, private. Please do. Tell him I loved him in Rent. <laughs> no, no, no. Tell him I thought he was an inspiration in Road Trip. With uh, Seth no. Green. Not Seth Green. Um, what's his name? The guy who married Drew Barrymore that had that TV show on NBC. Uh, MTV. Not a clue. Tom Green. Ugh. <laughs> oh, and Brecken Meyer. Yes, Brecken Meyer was in Road Trip. So, anyway, all right. I think we, I think we've treaded on everything we're going to tread on. Anything else, DT? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think this is a good place to end. Uh, Tune in brevity next is time. The key to clarity is brevity, my friend. Tune in next week or the next episode where we will actually discuss Werewolf by Night. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> and until then, thank you, everybody. Follow us on at those sci-fi guys on Twitter. Email us at those uh, two. What is it? Those sci-fi guys at gmail.com. Thank you very much for listening, guys. Until the next time, you guys keep dreaming. We'll keep working. So long, folks. And we'll see y'all on the high ground. Those Sci-Fi Guys is an independent broadcast by AlphaSite Productions, produced by DT Cavman and P.S. McKay. Music courtesy of Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. For more information on upcoming episodes, follow P.S. McKay on Twitter at P.S. McKay, or go to thosesci-fi-guys.com for past episode information.